0: When I say it's rich and I say that it's deep, I don't mean that it's complicated. I just mean that it is—it is—it is just all there. It is worthy of our of our attention and our reminder. It, it really is set up in two different sections. It's six chapters. The first three chapters uh, talk about the wealth of being a Christian. How many of you here are wealthy? in Jesus, right? And it's so easy to forget that, amen? As we struggle to pay bills, as we struggle to to, to just live sometimes, the difficulties that are all around, we forget how wealthy we truly are. And this is a wonderful reminder by the Holy Spirit working through Paul and the written word of how rich we truly are. And in that riches, how then are we supposed to walk? And so Paul talks about in the first three chapters, the wealth and the riches of those that are in Christ. And then in the final three chapters, he talks about what that means in application. How then shall we walk? How then shall we live our lives then? Because, because being rich in Christ has a profound effect on how we live. Amen? And so we start out here with, with the first couple of verses in, 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 the, in Ephesians. And and it talks about it's uh, Paul. That's the first word, Paul. So again, that's who's writing this book. It's Paul. And we all know him as the Apostle Paul. But we have to understand the scene here, that this is Paul who is writing under house arrest in Rome. He's under house arrest for two years for bringing Gentiles into the temple. Okay, and if we know anything about the background of any of this, uh, Jew- Jewish people, Israel, thought of as Gentiles, non-Jewish people, as dirty, unclean. It was forbidden for them to walk into the temple. It was blasphemous. It was, it was against their law, and it was a high offense to do this. And so, and so Paul does this, and he's, he's now under house arrest, uh, and this is a long walk. This is not Paul. This is not how Paul started life. Paul did not start out as a, as a founding member of the Christian church. He didn't start out on fire, as we know. He started out as Saul. Saul of Tarsus. This is a man who is highly educated. He received his formal education at the feet of Gamaliel, which I just mispronounced, but it doesn't matter. He's a great Jewish Teacher, one of the one of the highest. So it's like he went to the highest of the high and sat underneath him as a young man, and he excelled. He excelled at the head of the class. He became a Pharisee. In fact, he refers to himself as the Pharisees of Pharisees. He was a Pharisee that all Pharisees knew. He talked about upholding to the law to the point where nobody could find fault in him. He was all about the law of God. He was all about the Jewish tradition. This is this was his passion, and he was absolutely adamant against anything else hindering that. And of course, Christianity began to grow. It wasn't called Christianity at the time, it was called the way. And Paul became a heavy persecutor of the Christian church early on. He he persecuted Christians, he persecuted churches, even to the point where he sought out to have them killed. This was his passion. This is what he was all about. But something happened to Paul or Saul of Tarsus. Something profound happened that we read in the the book of Acts. We read that he's on his way to Damascus. And he, he he is confronted by the risen Jesus Christ. He's confronted by this great light. Now this isn't a light that any of us have experienced on our earthly or worldly light. This is a a holy light. This is the same light, the kind of light that that caused Isaiah to scream, Woe is me, I am undone. It's the same holy light that that causes John in Revelation, in his image of the risen Christ, to fall down before Christ as dead. This is a holy light. The radiance of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, comes before Saul, stops him in his tracks. And Saul falls off of his horse onto the ground. Who are you? Trembling with everything he has in him. And our risen Lord asks him, Why? Why are you persecuting me? And he called him in that moment out of the darkness and into the light. He made him blind. And he sent somebody then to go heal him. And the scales fell from his eyes and he began to see. And from that moment on, forever, Saul of Tarsus, or as we know him now, as the Apostle Paul, has changed forever. See, there was a call on Paul's life from the Lord. And this is what matters to Paul more than anything else. He starts out by saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. This is his forefront. Well, how do you introduce yourself? When you introduce you, what's the most important thing you want somebody to know? That's what you start talking about the soonest. It, well, this is what I do for a living. Or this is the kind of car I drive. Or, or this is my whatever it is. For Paul, the most important thing about him is his call from God. And so he starts that way. He says, I'm an apostle. The word means messenger. There was was 12 apostles, and of course, uh, then Paul was added as the 13th Apostle. An apostle is somebody who had an eyewitness, had an interaction with the the resurrected Jesus Christ, and was chosen by God to lay the foundation of the church by preaching, teaching, writing scripture, and it was all accompanied by miracles. We don't have any apostles today. The reason why we don't have apostles today is because the foundation of the church has been laid. We don't need apostles today. However... That doesn't mean that God is not still calling. God continues to call. And he continues to call all men and all women to repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the call that goes out. That's the command to the world. That is the foremost, most important thing that is happening on the planet today. That this gospel gets proclaimed to all men and all women to repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And certainly, all of us have heard that call and the ones sitting here this morning have answered that call by His grace. Amen? And so we have a call in our lives. And the call is from God Almighty. That's what Paul says. He says, I- I'm Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Not by my will. I didn't seek to be an apostle. I didn't seek to be the founder of of, of the Christian church. I sought to persecute. I was moving this way. God stopped me and called me this way. I was in the darkness. God stopped me and called me into the light. It's by the will of God. So he writes this letter. See, Paul then went on missionary trips. He just went on missionary trips. Everywhere he could go, possibly in prayer, he would listen to the Holy Spirit, and he would go where he thought the Holy Spirit was leading him to go, and he would go into the synagogues, and he would proclaim this gospel, and he would set up churches, and in Acts 19, we read this account of him going to Ephesus. And Ephesus had a little bit going on there. It's helpful if we understand a little bit about Ephesus, Okay, Ephesus is, is uh, a, it was an important city. It was a huge city. It was actually the third biggest, largest city in the, in the Roman Empire. And it was an extremely important city. Because of where it was located, it was, a, it was a commercial, highly commercial, lots of trades, and also lots of immigrants. It was a melting pot. Okay, and what I'd like you to do as I'm talking about Ephesus is to think through America. <laughs> because really america and ephesus have a lot in common a lot in common uh, this this city was filled with all these immigrants and what happens when immigrants come into a new place they bring their custom and they bring their gods they bring their religion and so before long ephesus is filled with 50 plus gods there's just there's got there's a god for every occasion and the Ephesians didn't find it insulting. They found that each god was complementary, or in other words, they would, they would, it would be okay for you to worship as many of those gods as you wanted to. right? None of them were mutually exclusive. So you could, you could seek to worship any of those gods, as many of them, of them as you wanted to. Now, we have to also understand something, that, that, that these gods, these are lowercase g-gods, are not gods filled with grace and peace. God's These gods are like the gods that we have today that are not the true God, are filled with malice and wrath. and You must appease these gods. You must work hard, make sacrifices and work hard so that these gods don't crush you. There was a lot of superstition involved in these gods. There was a lot of dark arts involved with these gods. A lot of magic involved with these gods. And then Paul comes. Paul lands there as this missionary, and there were some people there already trying to, to start or formulate the church, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. So, so, so Paul baptizes them in the Holy Spirit, and he begins to set up the church. He's there for three years, church planting and, pre- and, and preaching the gospel. And for three years he leaves. Now some time has passed, and the struggle with the, the churches in Ephesus is this: is that they have this calling that's on them. They have answered this call from the darkness into the light, but they're still very much in Ephesus. All around them, these gods still exist. In fact, there's a temple there with, with with Jewish Jewish temple there, and the Judaizers were trying to Judaize them. Everybody is telling them that they shouldn't do this, that it's wrong, that it's that it's not tolerant, that it's that it's forbidding. And they're just getting pounded by, by the community around them, not to mention the, the struggles of, of everyday life. They began to fear again the, the, the curses of their old gods, so some of them still secretly or maybe not so secretly kind of did things to appease some of these, these old gods. And all of this is going on after after Paul leaves, and he gets word of this, so he writes this, this letter. He writes this letter not to all of Ephesus. He writes it, it says in verse 2, to the... Verse 1 to the saints who are in Ephesus. It's to the saints that are in Ephesus. And we have a, a, a popular religious organization that has kind of stolen the word saints and made it something into it's not biblically. A saint isn't somebody who is extraordinary. A saint isn't somebody who is extra holy or does anything anything more special than the person next to him. A saint is simply one who believes in Jesus Christ. A saint literally, it literally means to be set aside by God for God. How many saints do we have in the building this morning? Right? Set aside by God for God. <clears throat> There's this call Jake, I'm setting you aside. I'm taking you out of all of this, and I'm going to set you aside for my use. This is the new call. I'm taking you out of the darkness. I'm calling you out of the darkness and placing this new call of light into your life. This is what he's telling the the saints of Ephesus. Remember, you were called out of that darkness. Why are you hanging around the darkness? Why are you living your lives in darkness? Why are you believing in the darkness, the lies that are circling around you? Saints, you have been called out of that darkness by God for God. And he says to them, you are faithful in Christ Jesus. This isn't, again, talking about anything that has to do with them or their character. It talks about why they are saints. They are saints through faith in the blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They heard the the cry, right? They heard the gospel. They heard that Jesus come and he lives his perfect life, the Son of Man. And he goes to the cross, sinless. And he dies on that cross, to cover the sins, past, present, and future, of anybody who will believe. And he dies on that cross. And he was buried. And then three days later, he resurrected, claiming victory over death and over Satan, Will you have what Jesus Christ has. And they said, yes. Yes, we believe in that. We're putting our faith in that. Because we can't cover our own sin. We can't defeat Satan. And we're terrified of death. They answered that call. They put their faith in them. And so they're saints. They're saints. And he says to them, grace. Grace to you and Peace. This is an ongoing theme throughout Ephesians. We're going to run into grace 12 more times and the word peace 8 more times. Grace is unmerited favor. It's helpful to think about it like this. Grace is getting something you don't deserve and mercy is not getting something you do deserve. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting something you do deserve. And what we have in Christ Jesus is grace, meaning God favors us. He looks upon us favorably. Maybe your boss doesn't look at you favorably. Maybe he's constantly passing you over. Maybe your family doesn't look at you favorably. Maybe you're sick of going out into the world and it's just mean mugs and cold stares. And he's calling them back into realizing, what does that matter? The God of the universe, when he looks at you, smiles upon you, delights in you. How incredible that is. How that would change me if I could just bathe in that and remember that each morning before I start my day. And there's this peace now that I have between myself and God, that is available to me. A peace in my soul. How many people can say this morning that they are experiencing in their heart and their soul peace? But that is what's offered to us. That's what we are called into. And we are like the Ephesians. We we tend to forget because they're still living in Ephesus. Guys, we're still living in the United States of America. It's crazy. Amen? It's nuts. It's dangerous. We're still living in a fallen world. It's terrifying. We live in a world where people hate God. God. And so it is easy to focus in on that stuff. Scary stuff, it's hard to not look at. It's hard to not look at the scary stuff. But the problem is that we spend so much time staring at the scary stuff, it begins to change us in that direction. And we become like the darkness that we were called out of, just like the Ephesians. Instead of staring at the light that we were called into, the beauty and the splendor and the peace that is offered by our Father. To spend time bathing in that. That we might step into the darkness and be people of grace and peace in a world that desperately needs both. Desperately needs both. The grace and peace is not from position or money or, or anything that we can do The the grace and peace in verse 2 is not from this world. It says that the grace to you and peace is from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All things, everything that is good is from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. James 1 reminds us of this. He says, Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He is an unchanging, good, good Father who gives every good and perfect gift. So Paul, the apostle, reminds the people, the saints in, Ephes- in Ephesus, he says, listen, I was in darkness and I had this call and my life into light. And now I'm this apostle and, and my calling is that God is going to use me to continue to call others who are still in darkness into light. That, that's me. And then how about you? He says, you were also in darkness. But you were called into light as well. And the reason you are still in Ephesus, the reason why we are still in the United States of America, the reason why we are still facing all of these things in this world, the the crass commercial, the materialism, the paganism, the the nation which is preoccupied by sex and politics just like Ephesus was, the rejection of the one true God in favor for many made-up gods, all of this... We are still here because we are called to lay on that calling to each and everyone who is still in darkness to come into the light. To come into the light. This is what we're charged to do. This is what we're still here for. So I ask you this morning, what is more important than your call from God? What's got you ripped in anxiety? What's got you terrified? What's got you down? What's got you depressed? What's got you distracted? None of it is more important than the fact that God has called you. And he gives favor to you. And he has called you to be the light of the world. We're going to see in a little while here as we walk through this beautiful book, there is no thing more important than his church. This fallen, dark, broken world has one solution. It's his church. It's his church. So not only are we called, we are called to the highest extent, to the greatest purpose, for the greatest glory, by the greatest power. That is who you are. Loved by God. Called by God. Amen? Heavenly Father, God, as we look at these verses, Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to be reminded and to be renewed in our calling. Now, these are not things that we're learning for the first time, but certainly things that we need to be re reaffirmed in and reminded of, Father God, as we, as we walk in a world that is just filled with constant distraction. And not to mention the enemy who is just looking to constantly pull our attention away from the fact that we are loved by you. God, that is who I am. Everything else is secondary. Father, let's not forget that as we move out into the week and move and forward, Father God, and beyond, Lord God, that we are called by you, that we are loved by you. And that you have a purpose in our lives. And that is to call those that are in darkness into the light. And it will be accomplished by grace and peace that come from you and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.